This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. This is a huge crowd that's collected now outside the door of the house. And it's not just the cases of fever. There's cases of demon possession, there's wild-eyed people, there's uncontrolled strengths, there's self-mutilating people, and these are cases of the spiritual oppressions and depressions from the demons. And there's also all kinds of sickness, sicknesses out there, the sick people, and, and they're sick, they didn't even come themselves, they're so sick, they're brought by others. It must have been this tremendous crowd out there clamoring outside the door, each one. I don't even know if they lined up orderly like they were going to Costco or something like that, but they were there. Each one determined to not lose this opportunity for their loved ones to be healed, delivered. And here we see the help for disease in the family has now spread to a desire for help for the disease in the city. It's a picture, it's a picture for us of how, what it means that when we, how we help others. So the help in the family becomes the basis for the city looking for him help. The same way we experience help, the Lord saves us from our sins, that becomes the basis for encouraging others to seek the same help of them being saved from their sins. Just like the, the CEF song, stop and let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. And then go and tell the story of Christ of Calvary. All right, so what does he do? So what does he do? Does he ask the, they ask others to, uh, please tell the people that I'm either not here or I'm too exhausted and the people should just come back in the morning after I have some rest. Is that what he does? No, not at all. None of that. He responds immediately. He starts to work from one sick person to the other. He's casting out devils on this one and healing this, this one's a sickness. And we, you know, see this thing, he asks the question, why? It's late, it's dark. It's not the time. It's, it's Why? Why did, why did the Lord swing into action with such a, an exhausting, after such an exhausting day, he just swings into action? What was it that motivated the Lord to do this, to, to open the door, go out there and start working? 
And it's very clear that it was the sight of all those people in need. That sight pulled on the heart of the Lord. It triggered in him a compassion. This is in Matthew 14, 14. Matthew 14, 14 says, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. We already saw this in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 1. Matthew 5, 1. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain when he was set. Disciples came to him. His motivation to help people came from the sight of the multitude. The sight of suffering always touched the heart of the Lord. It moved him to show mercy. As a matter of fact, we can see that his willingness to heal, because that's what we're talking about, why he opened the door, he went out there in the first place. His willingness to heal was directly connected to his power to sympathize. Healing was tied to his sympathy. Now, again, just as he did with the centurion, he uses his word. It says in verse 16, he cast out the spirits with his word. He delivers them with his word. The devils submit to it. They're gone, just from the word. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and it's interesting because it says in verse 16, after this great multitude's there, he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. All. No medicines. He healed all, all. First, there was not one person who was rejected and went away without being healed. Every person that came to him, was brought to him, that was sick, went away healed. And, and that's just like the fact that every sinner who comes to the Lord Jesus will not walk away empty, but he'll receive the healing of forgiveness and cleansing. Not one person is going to walk away and say, I came, but it didn't. He didn't. No, because he says in John 6.37, John 6.37, him, emphasis on not them, but him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But the key, again, from that John 6.37 verse, the key is him that cometh to me. If a person doesn't come, the person will not be forgiven and cleansed. Just as if there was a sick person in the city that was not brought to the Lord, that sick person remains sick. And today, if a person doesn't come on their own to the Lord Jesus, then that person remains unforgiven, defiled, and lost. It all depends on whether or not the person decides to come and comes. And that decision to come or not come rests 100% with the individual person. No one else determines that. And then if a person dies, like a sick person in the city didn't come, if a person dies in their sins and is cast into hell for eternity, there's only one reason for that, and that is he didn't come when he could have come. That's the only reason. So verse 16 tells us that he healed all that were sick. And if we look at Luke 4, Luke 4.40, Luke 4.40, it says... Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. So the all in Matthew is expanded. In Luke, when it says he healed all, 
it says he laid his hands on every one of them, all every one of them. That's a very interesting phrase, every one of them, because it emphasizes there how the people were healed individually, not in some cold, okay, all you guys line up here, and like an assembly line, we're just going to get you all healed. Not like that. Not in a cold assembly line, but individually and personally. And here we can see the scene of the Lord. Each person is brought up to him. He looks into the eyes of that person. And at the moment when he's doing that, he doesn't see anybody else on the sides, like blinders on a horse. He is just focused on that one person, laser focused. And, there, and for that individual at that time, he has a personal loving compassion on that person. And that speaks to us of how the Lord deals with every person, each person. That's how he dealt with Abraham. That's how, that's how he describes he deals with the Jewish people. In Isaiah 51.12, Isaiah 51.12, he says, Look unto Abraham your father, to Sarah that bear you. I called him alone, all by himself, alone. Isaiah 27.12, Isaiah 27.12, it says, it's speaking to the Jewish people, Ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. So now, this is an interesting now group that we have because now we have a set, a set of four healings here. Four healings this is the last, the, the, this, 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 the four healings. And in these four healings, what's interesting is that we have four different people we have that are healed. We have a Jew with leprosy. We have a Gentile who has a sick servant, a sick servant. We have a woman with a fever. And we just have this big group from a city who have unknown sick, named sicknesses. Four different types of people who are healed. We have four different requests, four different requests. We have a direct request from a leper. We have a request for of one man, a centurion, for another man, a servant. We have a request of a family for a sick family member. And we have a request from bringers of their sick from the city. And we have four different methods for how the Lord healed. We have a touched the leper. We have a spoken word for a sick servant. We have the rebuke of a fever. We have a laying on of hands for the sick of the city. Okay, now, we've been seeing all these sicknesses, and as we have, the more we, we look at all these sick people, uh, the book of Matthew has made us feel the, the emphasis on the, on the sick. We feel their pain. We feel their anguish. And so we're really experiencing, especially when you get to the crowd, we're really experiencing what the crowd is feeling. Now in verse 17, there's a great switch. It's a great switch because it's a switch from what the crowd is feeling to what the Lord is feeling what the crowd is experiencing, and now in verse 17, we're, we're switching now to what the Lord is experiencing. It's a switch from the pain and the anguish of the sick in the crowd to now the pain and the anguish that the Lord is feeling when it says in verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. A very interesting verse that's brought up here, because as the Lord was healing, the Lord was feeling the pain and anguish 
of each one of those individuals who have those infirmities and their sicknesses. For the Lord Jesus, this experience was a foretaste of the cross. It was a foretaste of the cross. So as the Lord is feeling and experiencing all this pain and anguish for each sick person that he's healing, he's being touched personally with the feeling of their infirmities, just as he's now touched with our feelings, that just says in Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So the scene, it's very important to see the scene in verse 17, the scene is not the Lord happily saying, oh, good, let's heal the next one next. I'm so happy. This is great. That's not the scene. The scene is the Lord feeling the infirmity and feeling the pain and the anguish of each sick person. And this is what makes the Lord described in Isaiah 53.3, Isaiah 53.3, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. When the Lord went to heal a person who couldn't speak, he had a speech impediment. It says there that he sighed. It says in Mark 7.32, Mark 7.32, they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Then in verse 34 it says, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephrata, which is, that is, be open." So the feeling for him of the anguish and the pain uh, gave him, gave the Lord this intense agony. He sorrowed for the effects of sin. He looked at this person here who couldn't speak and wanted to speak. I don't know, maybe he stuttered or whatever. And he felt his frustration and he felt his anxiety and his anguish that he couldn't speak. He felt that. And so just before he opens, he goes, he sighs from the feeling. And so... This verse 17 that we've been given here is a key. It's a key to the mystery of the Lord's atonement for our sins. It's a key to the mystery of how the Lord suffered for our sins and the effect of our sins. It was his personal sympathetic suffering for each individual's. And there's something so intimately personal about what the Lord did. And this personal experience really, I think, is, is brought home by what is described he did in Isaiah 25.8. In Isaiah 25.8, it says, the Lord Jesus, he will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off, off all faces, and the rebuke of his people, his Jewish people, will he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. So the mystery of what the Lord suffered, to me, is all tied up in those words, he will swallow up death in victory. I mean, just picture yourselves. Just picture yourselves. And you are going to destroy a horrible poison, a horrible poison. And, and you're going to do it by swallowing it up. So what happens is that first your hand reaches out, and it brings it closer, the poison, it brings it closer and closer and closer to you. And, and as, it, as it does, you, you see it better and better and better. Maybe it has a horrible smell. You smell it too also. It's a horrible poison. Second, you bring it to your mouth, one of the most sensitive parts of the body. You bring it to your mouth, and it's especially hard for you as you do that. And then it enters your mouth, and you taste it. And maybe you chew it. 
And then as you swallow it, you especially feel it more. All the while, you don't spit it out. You don't throw it, cast your hand away. You don't spit it out of your mouth. You said no, because you're determined that you're going to destroy it by swallowing it up. And last, because it's poison, it kills you. But just before you die, you cry out, victory. This horrible poison has been destroyed by me swallowing it. And you have destroyed that horrible poison, but in the process, it killed you. That's exactly what the Lord did in his death, described in Isaiah 25, 8. The Lord will swallow up death and victory. And that's why that whole scene, why he pleaded in Matthew 26, 39, Matthew 26, 39, it says he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Okay, now, there's a very interesting verse here in verse 17. One of the reasons it's interesting, because of all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew is the only one that tells us this, that gives us the key to this mystery of how the Lord, by suffering, atoned for our sins. And it's from the book of Isaiah. It's from the book of Isaiah, obviously. Matthew is the only gospel writer to tell us this because, why? Because Matthew is writing to the Jews. Matthew is writing to the people of the book. Matthew is writing to the people of the book of Isaiah. And Matthew spoke to the Jews from the books of prophecy, in this case, Isaiah. Now, last Friday I told you, I was interviewed by the Jewish Agency for Eligibility for Israeli Citizenship. And I was asked, do you believe Jesus, or who you call the Messiah, do you believe he was God, if you ask me that? No, I said, I answered, I said, I believe what the Jewish prophet Isaiah said about the Messiah being God. And Isaiah said, in Isaiah 6.9, Isaiah 6.9, and I paraphrase a little bit, I said, for unto the Jewish people, this is as unto us, but it's obviously Jewish people, Unto the Jewish people a child is born, for unto the Jewish people a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. So El Gabor, which means the hero God. So I said the child born is the Messiah, and the child is the Mighty God, spoken by Isaiah the prophet. So whatever the Bible teaches is what I believe. So in verse 17, just as Matthew spoke out of the book of Isaiah, to the Jewish people, so I spoke out of the book of Isaiah to the Jewish agency. Now, when you compare the wording, it's interesting about uh, the wording that he used here, uh, Matthew used in uh, verse 17, and when you compare the wording that we have in the English here, in our English Bibles, in verse 17, and the verse that it's quoting, which is actually Isaiah 53, 4, Isaiah 53, 4, it's quoting, where it says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The English here in Matthew 8, 17 is actually closer and more literal to what is written in the Hebrew in Isaiah 53, 4. As a matter of fact, most of the time when the Hebrew Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament, it uses the Greek translation called the Septuagint. But in this case, Matthew did not use the Greek Septuagint translation of Isaiah 53, 4, instead, when he, when he wrote verse 17, he went back to the original Hebrew Old Testament and translated it literally in verse 17. So verse 17 is a more literal translation 
of Isaiah 53.4. Because from Isaiah 53.4, there is this Hebrew word took, which has the idea of a transference or a took it up, lifted it up, with the idea that it became this intolerable, pressing weight on the Lord Jesus. So the idea with the meaning is that he took it up so that he could take it away, so that he could take our infirmities away, carry them away, clean them up, clean them up. And that brings us to the other word, other word used in verse 17 that's present in Isaiah 54, which is the word bear, bear, the Hebrew word nasa, nasa, which has the idea again of enduring a weight, a weight of infirmities, a weight of sicknesses that he's taken up. And this is what Peter is emphasizing. Peter is emphasizing in 1 Peter 2.24, 1 Peter 2.24, which says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. So now, both in uh, that verse I just quoted, both in 1 Peter 2.24, 1 Peter 2.24, and our verse here, in verse 17, we have this emphasis where Peter, in 1 Peter 2.24, says his own self, and our verse 17 says himself. Those words, himself and his own self, emphasize that it was the Lord Jesus himself, not another person, no other person involved, who took up and bare our infirmities and sins. He personally alone did this for us. And this is the last words of the chapter in the Old Testament that has the most details about the cross and what he suffered on the cross, and that is Psalm 22. And the last words in Psalm 22 are ki asa, ki asa, which means he did this, he did this. And again, the idea is there is that he personally has done all this. He suffered for all our sins. He alone did this. He and himself alone, no one else, not another, suffered all this. And this brings us back to how personal the sufferings of the Lord were for us. So look at the Lord. Whether the Lord's position was here in our history that we're reading about in Matthew 17, Matthew 8, whether he's here, suffering all the pain and anguish of the great group that's being brought to him for healing, whether the Lord's position it was there, suffering as he swallowed up death and victory, whether the Lord's position was to suffer the whipping where his stripes would heal us, whether the Lord's position was to suffer physically on the cross for our sins, the point about all these positions is he never departed physically or spiritually from any of those positions of suffering. He chose in order to save us from our sins. And that refusal to depart, he could have had 12 leaves of angels instantly over, no. That refusal to depart from his position as being the lamb and the victim of God to take away our sins, that's why we worship him. Let's pray. Father, we do worship the Lord Jesus for refusing to leave this position's Lord of suffering for us. We thank you, Lord, that because he didn't leave, that we can come in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.